Well, I'm excited to be with you this morning. I believe that the message we have this morning is directly from the Lord, and I believe it's going to help heal somebody's soul that's in this room today. So I'm excited that I get to share it with you. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to dive right in this morning. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for being with us in this room. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my God, my rock, and my redeemer. May I say no more or no less than you would intend me to. May those who have ears hear and those who have eyes see. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series called Talk is Cheap, where we are walking through the book of James. And it's a little bit different of a series for us because typically the way we do series is we go through a list of topics and we talk to you about practical things to learn on different topics that we think is valuable to your life, that we think you need help on, you, you need God's direction on and how to apply it to your lives. You know, we meet once a year and we plan out all of the sermons for the entire calendar year for our church. We get together and we list out all the topics that we think you, you need help with, that we hear that you need help with. We think of the books of the Bible that we haven't touched on for a while. We think of characters from the Bible that we haven't touched on for a while. We plan it all out. And usually we do a lot of topical stuff. And in this series, we are just walking through one single book of the Bible, and that's the book of James. And there's a lot of value in doing that, because when we walk through one book of the Bible, the text itself, the book that we walk through, will determine what we talk about. Instead of us as, as the pastors, as the preachers, deciding here are the topics that we're going to teach on that we think is relevant, instead we give that over to the text and we allow the text to speak on the topics that it already speaks about in the order that it talks about. And as we do that, we may encounter some topics that we might otherwise ignore. And so there's a lot of value for that. When we do that, we also will come across topics that we would rather ignore. Topics that maybe make us uncomfortable, topics that we would just rather just leave unsaid. And that's kind of where we find ourselves today. Because today we're going to talk a lot about sin. And really, it's not really that exciting to talk about sin and the sin in our lives. And specifically, we're going to talk about what do you do when you get caught in sin, when you're caught in committing the same sins over and over and over again, this habitual sin pattern. How do I get out of that when I feel stuck and lost in sin? And really, that's not a super exciting topic. Because if you've ever been lost in sin before and stuck in sinful habits, you know how terrible that feels. Sometimes it's stuff that people can tell you're stuck in sin. They know you're making bad decisions. It's pretty obvious to the people who know you well in life, and, and it feels terrible. Maybe they don't help you with it. Maybe they don't want to talk about it, and you just kind of feel lost and on your own, and, and you know you're going down the wrong path, and, and you don't know how to make the choices that you need to make to fix your life. If you've been in that situation before, it feels pretty terrible. Or maybe it's a secret sin. When you're caught in sin and sins in your life and maybe nobody knows about. Maybe even the people that know you really, really well in life don't know about them. Because you've done such a good job of, of hiding it and covering it up. Or maybe it's not even the things that you do, but it's the things that you think of. And you're the only person that knows about them. Maybe it's all the stuff that, if given the opportunity, you would do if you had the chance to do them. 
And so it's not comfortable for us to talk about this topic. But I believe it will be healing to your soul. I believe this is a topic that will help you, and this message today will help you if you find yourself now or ever lost in sin and stuck in sin. If you were here a few weeks ago, James talked about sin. He talked about what it looks like, uh, what is sin, where does it come from, where's temptation come from, and all that stuff. He had a great message on temptation because the author, James, wrote, writes a lot about sin. He starts it in James chapter 1, and he says, Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Sin comes from us being tempted and enticed by our own evil desires. When we give in to temptation, when we sin, we're believing the lie that something else is better. We're believing the lie that if I do this, my life will be better. If I think this, my life will be better. If I act this way, my life will be better. We're giving in to this lie that if we do blank, our life will somehow be better. The process that James takes us through is temptation leads to sin, which leads to sin growing in our lives, which will eventually lead to death if left unchecked. And today where we are going to park ourselves is in the sin-growing portion of this. What do I do when I feel like I'm stuck in a sinful habit? What do I do when I feel like I'm stuck making the same bad choices over and over again? What do I do when I feel sin growing within me and I feel myself going down the wrong track, but I don't know how to get out. Because we've got to find a way out of it if you're stuck in it today. Because if not, it will lead to death. That's what the author James says. You know, when we uh, start out sinning, it's fun. At first, sin is fun. But it always takes us further than we wanted to go and always leaves us emptier than we ever imagined possible. That's the job of sin. That's what Satan's trying to trick us with. He lures us in with something that looks really good from the outside, but it always will take you further than you wanted to go, and it will always leave you emptier than you ever thought possible. If you find yourself there today, it can feel really hopeless. When you're stuck in sin, when you're lost in sin, it can feel like you're in handcuffs. It can feel like you're shackled. It can feel like you're, you're trapped, like you have this weight on top of you and you have no way of getting out of it. Like there's no hope and that there's no light and you're just surrounded by darkness. It can feel pretty empty. You know, every year at Taylorville Christian Church, we take our high school students on a trip called Move. And a couple years back while on this trip, we had some free time. And so we took our group to an escape room. And if you don't know what an escape room is, that's where you go to this place and, and they take you and your group, your friends, and they lock you inside of a room. And you have 60 minutes to escape the room. And you have to solve a bunch of clues and, and do a bunch of riddles, and it's a team-building kind of activity. 
And so we thought this would be a great idea for our high school youth group to go and do and to, to build on teamwork and cooperation. So let's go and do this escape room. We get there and we fill out all the forms. We pay. They take us down this long hallway. And this is the moment where I discovered that apparently there are different types of escape rooms. Each one has a different theme or storyline to kind of keep people interested so you could do them more than once. And our storyline was that we had been kidnapped. And they went all out in this role play activity. After the leader told us all of this information, he walked around and he handcuffed each one of us with real handcuffs. Then he took a long chain and he ran the chain through all of our handcuffs and connected us to each other and locked it in place. Then he went around and put hoods over our heads, like you would see in some scary movie. And it was in that moment, if you know me, it's in that moment I realized I am way out of my comfort zone. This is so not something that I enjoy. I have lost all control of everything. And there we were, bound, covered in darkness. And he took our group and he led us into this room. We get into the room and he walks us around some objects that's in the center of the room. It turned out to be a, a bedspring. Then he walked around and handcuffed each one of us to the bedspring. And you can hear each student scream <laughs> as they get locked in. And after he was done, he leaves the room. He says something scary, ha, 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 you know. And he slams the door shut and leaves. And dread washes over us as we realize we are locked in total darkness, masks over our head, with no keys, handcuffed to this bedspring. And we have to somehow find our way out. And that moment, it felt so hopeless. Like there's no way we will ever get out of here. We're lost forever. We're stuck in this room. And I've, I've just lost all these kids that I was responsible for. Right? I just got them all kidnapped for real. And you know that moment, that experience, that's exactly what it feels like when you are lost in sin. When you've traveled the wrong way for so long, that you can't figure out how to get out of it, that's exactly how it feels. You feel bound. You feel shackled. You feel like darkness surrounds you. You feel like you will be lost forever and that there's no hope for you, like you've gone too far to come back. It's a terrible experience. Luckily, James talks a lot about this. He understood this topic well. In chapter 1, he talked about where sin comes from. And in chapter 4, he talks about how to get out of sin when you are lost. In chapter 4, verse 6, it says, But God. And whenever you in Scripture you see but God, you should get really excited. Because usually right before that was a list of everything that's going wrong. James was just writing in, in chapter 4 about, here's all the stuff that's going wrong. Here's all your evil desires. Here's all the bad choices that you make. Here's all the reasons that you've gone too far and that there is no hope for you. And verse 6, but God. 
But God gives more grace. But God gives more grace. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your, gloom, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. James says, if you are caught in sin, you should humble yourself to God. Because God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. Those who are prideful, he will oppose and be an enemy to. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. He says he will humble, he will give grace to those who are humble. But a lot of times we like to be very prideful, don't we? We like to look like we have it all together on the outside, even if everything on the inside is not so great. And so this whole humble ourselves before God and to be honest and to be real is challenging and difficult for many of us. We like to look good on the outside as far as our clothes, as far as the way we present ourselves, as far as the way we act on a Sunday morning. We like to look good on the outside. Even for some of us, we like to look really good, like, like that we're really healthy people. We like to pretend like, oh yeah, I eat everything healthy. I like making all these wise choices. And then you have like this secret stash in your house, right, of all these junk foods that you eat. And the wrappers just show up in the garbage can, right? Some of us like to look good on the outside, and maybe we've got some not-so-good stuff on the inside. If you're one of those people who uh, does that with the eating, and you like to look like you're healthy on the outside, but then actually indulge in some unhealthy food secretly, I actually found an app that's going to help you do that. It's called Red Apron, and you've got to check this thing out. Are you tired of these fancy meal prep companies offering you meals you'd never eat, but at the same time too embarrassed to Uber Eats McDonald's? Introducing Red Apron, a fast food delivery service disguised as meal prep. Just order your favorite fast food, then our drivers will pick it up, drop it in a pretentious box, and leave it at your door. Finally, look healthy and trendy on the outside, yet still be a lazy slob on the inside. Be honest. Do you want to return home from a long day's work to vegan shawarma with tzatziki hummus and beet salad? No, you don't. Sign up for Red Apron today and get back to eating what you really want. We'll even change the names of your favorite fast food dishes so you can feel better about yourself while eating it. A Big Mac meal becomes a sear-sizzled beef on a poppy seed-raised yeast roll with sun-ground lettuce and chopped onion with vinegar-preserved cucumber and precision-cut potato spears. A Crunchwrap Supreme and a Mountain Dew becomes ground beef with basil rounds, romaine leaves, and cultured cream wrapped in fresh-shell tortilla with a beverage of field corn and cane-extracted carbonated water and orange juice. Let's face facts. Assembling prepackaged food with a step-by-step instruction guide doesn't make you a cook. It makes you good at following directions. You're hungry. The last thing you want to do when you get home from work is Ikea your dinner together. We'll even send you photos so you can post on Instagram so your followers will think you're more healthy than you actually are. Think about how good you'll look to your neighbors when they see a meal prep box that holds a swine-topped flatbread with tomato basil spread and coagulated milk casein. And think about how good you'll feel pulling out a hot pepperoni pizza. It's time to take your life back and start eating like you deserve. Red Apron, like Blue Apron, but with food you'd actually eat. There you go. So go ahead and take out your phone, download Red Apron, if that's for you, okay? 
But that's what we like to do. We like to look really good on the outside, even if there's some stuff that's not so great on the inside. We try to hide it. We try to bury it. And that's all pride. That's pride in trying to be perfect and to have everything right. That's our prideful self. But God says that I will oppose those who are prideful, but I will give grace to those who are humble. He says to submit yourself to God and then resist the devil. If you're like me, I usually skip like that whole beginning part and I go right to the resisting the devil part. I'm just like, let's go, devil. I will fight you. Let's go. You versus me. I will do everything I can to scissor kick you in the back of the head and fight you. That's just how I go. But God says that first, you have to submit yourself to God. Then you will have the strength to resist the devil. The key is in your submission to God. It takes you being humble. It takes you realizing that there is a God, and it is not you. There is a God, and it is not you. Turn to your neighbor and say, there is a God, and it is not you. That feels good, right? Now, repeat after me and say it about yourself. There is a God, and it is not me. That's a little more difficult. But if you can come to that realization that there is a God and it is not you, you can humble yourself to God. And then you will be able to have the strength to resist the devil. Then James says to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And the coolest thing about this is we're talking about somebody who's lost in sin, who's made so many wrong choices, who's gone so far down the wrong path in life. That God looks at that person and says, hey, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And he means it. How great is it that we have a God who says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. And he really means it. I think that's pretty amazing. You know, there was this dad who had a little son, and they were out in the backyard playing And the little boy kept wanting to climb the big tree that they have in the backyard, of course, because that's what little boys love to do. And the dad, every time the little boy would go to climb the tree, the dad would get really nervous and and stand close and want to be there to be able to catch him to make sure he's not going to fall because then he's going to break an arm or something. And he doesn't want his son to be injured or hurt because he loves him. And he doesn't want to pay the doctor bills either when he breaks his arm. And so he took his son aside and he said, that's fine, we can climb this tree, but here are the rules. You can only climb the tree when I am here. If I'm not in the backyard with you, then you can't climb the tree because I love you and I care about you and I want you to be safe. One day the dad was in the kitchen. He was doing the dishes and from the backyard he heard his son yell, Daddy, Daddy, help me! And in that moment... The dad didn't go, oh, well, he got himself into this mess. He can get himself out of it. No, of course not, right? The dad stopped everything he's doing, and he ran into the backyard to rescue his son who was stuck in the tree. Why? Because that's what a father does. A father loves and a father rescues. You know, God 
is pretty good at life. He's been around for a really long time, and he's really good at living this thing we call life. And he's given us a lot of instruction on how to live life well. We don't always listen to his instruction. And when we ignore his ways and we ignore his instructions, he doesn't say, oh, well, too bad. You got yourself into that mess. You can get yourself out of it. He's a good, good father. And so if we are lost in our ways, if we are lost in sin, if we've gone too far in life, God says, I will rescue you. If you will just yell out, Daddy, Daddy, help me, and humble yourself to God, He will give you more grace. I know for some of us, we maybe feel like we've gone too far in life. Like maybe we've made too many wrong choices, we've gone so far down the wrong path that there is no way that God would ever take us back. We've made bad choice after bad choice, and we know it. We know we have evil things inside of us, and we know we give in to them far too often. And we feel like, man, we have gone way too far for God to ever welcome me back. I know he's good, and I know he loves everybody, but not me, because I've gone too far. If that's you this morning, could I just tell you something? If you feel like you've gone too far, God already knew you would. Now turn around and go home. See, our church desires to be a church where people who have gone too far can come home. We desire to be a church that are filled with people who are willing to humble themselves to God and to receive the grace that He has to offer. We're a church that desires to be honest about the things that we struggle with. We're a church that desires to be a place where people can come just as they are, as broken as they are, and receive grace and receive help from those who are around him who are just as broken as they are. That's our mission as a church, to be a healing place. Jesus said, I haven't come for the healthy, I've come for the sick, for those who need a doctor. And James says, if you will just humble yourself to God, you will receive more grace. The worship team's going to come up here and continue to lead us in worship this morning. And as they do, I want to invite you to spend a moment with God. I mean, if you think about it, the God of this universe created you, and He's given you all of these instructions about how to live life really well and to walk with Him each day. And each one of us spends so much time going our own direction in life. And instead of writing us off like he should, God says, if you will humble yourself, I will give you more grace. And if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. What a great God that we get to serve. As we continue to worship this morning, I invite you to spend a moment talking with him. He's here in this room and he is waiting to speak with you. I invite you to reach out to somebody you know for prayer if you're struggling this morning. If you want to come down forward to the front, I'll be hanging out in the front, and I'd be happy to pray for you about anything that's going on in your life. But you know what? You probably know some other people in this room too, and I bet they would be willing to pray for you too. 
So don't be afraid to walk over to somebody you know and say, hey, could you pray for me about this that's going on in my life? We're a family. And we're a family who struggles. And we're a family that heals together because of the grace of our God. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that if we will humble ourselves, admit that we are not God, to stop having so much control over what we do, and let you take the reins, you say that you will give us more grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who you sent to show us the ultimate act of grace, that if we would believe in him, we will not perish but have eternal life. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.